Hi, it's dating coach Chris Luna from Craft Charisma. Welcome to the Craft Charisma podcast, our free audio coaching program where we interview the top experts in the world at helping you become the man you've always wanted to be. My guest today is Patricia Ryan Madsen. Patricia is a professor emerita at Stanford University where she's taught improvisation since 1977. She currently works as a professional speaker and consultant to corporations, local governments, and educational institutions, teaching people how they can use improv to be more spontaneous, learn to trust themselves and their ideas, and to live in the moment. She's the author of a book called Improv Wisdom, Don't Prepare, Just Show Up, available on Amazon. Thank you, Patricia, so much for coming on the show today. Wonderful. It's great to be here, and uh, I'm really excited to talk to you. Can you tell me a little bit about kind of your background, uh, how you've gotten into what you do, and and just some of your current work? Sure. I'd love to. Uh, I've been a drama teacher all my life. Uh, I was at various universities and did summer stock and was involved in traditional theater. And uh, when I came to Stanford in 1977, my job was to uh, help young actors in the drama department program uh, do what they do. And uh, the thing that I discovered uh, with my smart Stanford actors is that they were terrific when I gave them a script and I told them how I wanted it produced. They could produce a product. But if I said, what do you think, or kind of punched them and said, well, if you were this character, what would you do or say? They'd often kind of, uh, like deer in the headlights, look at me like, I, I don't know. And what I discovered is that they weren't in touch with their own uh, thoughts and emotions and feelings. It was very hard for them to be spontaneous. They wanted to know how to do it right. You can imagine that if they were smart Stanford students, they didn't want to give a wrong answer. So on the road to trying to help actors become more natural, spontaneous, and in touch with their natural abilities, um, I had to find a way to, um, some techniques to solve this. And uh, that was when enter improv. I think there's there's an old saying that when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. And there was something about improv training. I was not at all interested in comedy. But there's something about when you improvise, uh, it helps you, it allows you to become more natural and to deal with, uh, to use the resources that are really already there. So um, I, I wanted to say, I'll interject here if you don't mind, that for a lot of people, just the word improv is like a, mm, oh yeah, that's that fast, funny, it's about comedy, number one, and it's for people like Robin Williams who are natively funny. And it's not me, I'm not really fast or witty or something like that. But I'd like to tell your listeners, first of all, uh, improvisation isn't um, just comedy. It's actually a way of doing something. It's a, it's a modus operandi, an operating system that you can use when you're virtually doing anything. And so, um, in, in a sense, I was an acting teacher, but I came to to improv because I needed to solve a problem about how to get uh, young people to uh, learn to be more trusting and spontaneous. And so as I, as I taught improv to the actors at Stanford, I was invited to also teach a class for adults in their continuing studies program. And I thought, well, I don't know whether adults are going to want to show up and 
play improv games. Well, they did, and what happened was that uh, the class is an improv for the adults, the Silicon Valley software engineers and librarians and retired folks and, and young professionals. But they took the improv class and said, you know, this improv work is really having a payoff in my um, everyday life, in my dating, in the office. Um, I've become more natural, much more myself, so hooray. And uh, sort of long story, the study of improv and its applications to everyday life led me to write a book, Improv Wisdom, and uh, sort of the rest is history now. Now I've become the go-to person for uh, if you want to learn how to think on your feet. I think that's absolutely incredible because there's so many people who are listening to this I know are inhibited and they're inhibited for a variety of reasons. They're worried about getting rejected. They're worried that their ideas are stupid. For the, the men who are looking to improve their dating life who are listening to this, they're worried about being rejected by by women for not saying the right thing or what have you. And so they, they aren't in the moment. They're in their heads like a bad actor thinking about uh, what, what am I going to do so I get the reaction I want as opposed to reacting to the other person? So I can see so many things that I'm hearing being pertinent to the people who are listening. Can you kind of describe maybe a little bit about the history of improv and what are some of the other benefits? Why was it even developed, I guess? Sure. I, I mean, if you think about it, we were improvisers before we were anything else, uh, before there was a, a, an iPad and Google and uh, and. Uh, self-help classes about what to say next in an interview. Um, humans had to improvise before there were before there was planning. But the improvisation muscle, if you will, has been used in a lot of ways. We know it best in the United States as American jazz. That music form came from improvisation. And when you think about jazz musicians, what do they? How do they do what they do? Well. They're not, first of all, they kind of understand music. They've studied notes and their instrument, et cetera. But the secret of jazz music is that they're really listening to the other musicians. They're not just paying attention to themselves. They're listening, listening for what the musical notes are, what the melody seems to be, and then they're following a natural impulse in music to bring in the bass or to add something that's counter to what's going on or to follow the melody. So jazz music um, improvisation is a wonderful example of these principles um, that result in spontaneous musical form. But improv has been used as um, part of training actors, and uh, right now an interesting application of it is people are using improv to train Alzheimer caregivers. Wow, how could that be? Well, if you think about it, if you're dealing with someone with, uh, whose mental capacity is uh, coming and going, you really want to be able to kind of uh, shift what you're doing and keep, keep working in a positive way. So improv actually, um, it goes back also theatrically, if, if you want a little theater history, to the, the, uh, the Greeks. And uh, at the end of the famous Greek dramas in Athens, there would be something called a satyr play, which was early improvisation. The clowns would come out with big phalluses, and they would joke around and make political jokes and things, and uh, everybody would laugh. So um, improv has been connected to comedy in the theater for a long time. But it's also, improvisation is now in our fast-paced 21st century life uh, with everything moving so fast, 
is becoming um, a skill that we need to return to so that we can do more, faster, and um, also a great tool for innovation. I loved what you said, by the way, uh, about the, the fundamental obstacle to something like improv, which is our fear of being rejected and of looking silly. Believe me, everybody I know, including me, and all the students that show up in my classes have that fundamental fear. It's, it's, it's terrifying to think that I'll be, uh, somebody will think I'm stupid or I'll be not wanted. The truth is, uh, I think you have to, in a sense, enter the arena to have a chance to, uh, to do anything. So all of life presents the possibility of go or no go. So you could say we can always be uh, rejected, but if we don't do anything for fear of that, uh, we'll obviously never get anywhere. I, I have a, an interesting exercise that I suggest to people who um, are interested in, in dating more. I suggest that they try to collect five rejections so that, in a sense, their purpose in going into this is to ask somebody for a date and kind of, they're not actually doing what they can to get rejected, but in the course of trying to get a date, expecting that uh, rejections or no, I, my, uh, I can't, I actually can't go, thank you very much, uh, comes up. So um, if they're assuming that not being accepted is part of the, the landscape of doing anything well, uh, what often happens on the course of trying to collect five rejections is that they get some people who accept them and uh, uh, go off to the movies or a, a wonderful date. I think what you're saying is great. I mean, there's just so much there. Even when you started the conversation, you, you made that comment about, what was it, something about when a, a teacher will appear? When the student is ready, yeah. Yeah, when the student, but, but even there's like a certain improvisational element in that because I think that oftentimes there's this tendency towards perfection. And I mean, you're talking about students at, at Stanford. I mean, I never thought I was going to college and end up going to Columbia. And so it's the same type of mentality where you have this kind of perfectionist mentality. And the reality is we can't solve every problem in advance. There's a point where we just all have to let go and kind of trust in ourselves and that we're going to be able to solve the pro problems in the moment. That doesn't mean we don't prepare. Um, but I think that that's just there's so many ideas that you're talking about that are so important. Even the idea about pushing past rejection or asking for those dates, and and sometimes uh, you end up with a with a date even though you didn't expect it. I think so often for a lot of the listeners, they live inside this box. Uh, it's this paradigm, this set of habits. Plato talks about it in the allegory of the cave. The movie, uh, the Matrix, to a certain extent, is kind of about it. But their reality, and and what happens is this reality is a consequence of their past experience their habits, what have you, um, and people just kind of become restricted. I, I had a friend of mine, and I don't know if this is a true story, who used to tell me a story about how there was a, an elephant in a fire, or elephant that was chained in a circus, and for a long time, the elephant would try to kind of escape and then realize it was chained. And then one day, at some point, they released the elephant, but the elephant assumed that it still couldn't move outside this distance, and there was a fire, and the circus burned down, and the elephant died, even though the elephant could have walked away. And I don't know whether or not that's a true story, but it's a great metaphor for what we're kind of talking about because I feel a lot of people who are listening to this are emotionally chained. And so I'm curious, what are some of the different ways you think that improv can help kind of develop spontaneity and creativity? Well, I think improv is perfect metaphor for what you're talking about because it's all about try-see. 
when you improvise, you don't know what the outcome is going to be. And I think you're, you're right that a lot of us don't do anything because we're chained inside the notion of wanting to do it right or perfect. And when you think about it, it's kind of crazy. And, and plus, perfection is boring. So what is really interesting in human life and in conversation is is people being authentic and natural. And you'll never get to that authenticity and naturalness unless you try stuff. And, and try-c is, is one of the um, kind of the, the basic approaches of, of improv. I don't know where, I, I don't know where this is going to go, but I'll check it out. The other thing that an improviser trains to do and, and why, it's, uh, why it's so much fun being around people who've studied improv is that the rule, the cardinal rule, is that you say yes and you build on what's there. Now, that doesn't mean that you necessarily like everything, but it means you accept what's happening and you work with it. So if, you're, if your partner or your date has, makes a remark, you're really interested in listening to that and building on it, maybe asking a question that derives from it. So rather than just bringing the topic back to yourself, a lot of us when we're, um, when we're in a conversation aren't really listening, but we're trying to prepare what we're going to say when it's our, as soon as that person stops talking. <laughs> so... Um, Improvisation, the try see, be positive, listen well. Those are skills that uh, really help us build on on our own foundation. And if we if we make a mistake or if we say something that uh, doesn't make sense or is wrong or needs correcting, we can right on the spot shift and make that correction. So uh, one of the rules of improv is make mistakes. Go ahead. Why? It's not like we're trying to make a mistake, but what we're doing is we're following an impulse, seeing where it's going, and on the route to that, sometimes, oh, uh, I misspoke or I wasn't quite right here. Let's go back and uh, correct that. And that's human and natural, and I think everybody appreciates someone who makes corrections as they go rather than just sticks getting it right in, in advance. Uh, it's one of my beefs with most politicians. They, uh, they just won't, <clears throat> they're, they're not willing to admit that they, uh, they're wrong or that their position is anything but uh, stalwart. So um, being human means uh, trying things, making mistakes, and then uh, auto-correcting or learning from them and getting to a better place. Patricia, I agree with you about politicians and like I've, I've never told you this, but my background, like I did politics all the way to the presidential level doing campaign stuff. And it's really difficult. It's a weird profession because the reality is that most humans evolve and well, not most, all humans evolve and grow and our perspectives evolve and grow with time. And so it's a weird, unrealistic expectation that we that often society will hold on politicians that well over 20 years your position changed on xyz and you're like well, I, know. I, I hope it changed <laughs> I, hope so, right. I, I find that astonishing that, that people get minus points for changing their position he waffled on that or something well i hope so he got new information and he made sense but anyway yeah yeah that's <laughs> if a whole, you and i rule the world yeah, yeah it's a whole, whole kind of uh, other conversation but uh yeah i think that there, there i mean there's so so much that's just good there i think you're right that people i mean this idea that people are kind of obsessive over over being perfect and it's natural for us to make mistakes and honestly so often mistakes are just a matter of perspective 
and oftentimes it's even our, it's just our own perspective. <laughs> the other people around us are not judging us in the same way that we often criticize or judge ourselves, which makes me want to talk a little bit about or explore the idea of how improv can help your conversation skills and, and really reduce anxiety and shyness. Great. Well, when you think about it, all conversation, all human speech is improvisation already, unless you're reading a, a prepared speech or acting a text. Right now, I don't. I have a purpose in answering your question, but I don't know what the end of this sentence will be. I'm, I'm basically putting it together. Human speech is improvisation. So I think improv training invites you to speak before you think, uh, that, which sounds kind of weird. Uh, I, I sometimes say it's ready, fire, aim, uh, that, that when you improvise, you are trusting that natural thought that is coming out right now. Right now, I'm, words are pouring out of my mouth, and I'm adjusting them as I go. Human speech is improvised. And so um, that's just a fact. If I stop and try to think up how I'm going to say what I want to say in advance, then my mind gets clogged. I'm not in the moment anymore. I'm no longer listening or responding to the world. I'm thinking ahead. Here's an example. We do this all the time. If you're in a, in a, a circle and uh, the exercise is, let's go around and introduce ourselves. Uh, everybody tell who they are, where they're from, a little bit about yourself. Well, the minute that that is given, your brain goes into hyperdrive trying to come up with what your little monologue will be when it's your turn. And the truth is that when you're doing that, you're not listening to anybody else's name or occupation or hobby. Um, you're thinking about what you're going to say. If, however, you abandon that, um, that notion Really listen to the other people, and then when it comes to your turn, trust that you know what your name and your occupation is, <laughs> or, uh, and, and that in that moment some thought about what's, uh, what your hobby will come to you. We already know how to do that. And the thing is, we have to train ourselves to stop thinking ahead. Uh, and that's what my book the, the subtitle, Don't Prepare, Just Show Up, means it doesn't really mean never prepare. Of course we prepare. We think about what's going to happen. We uh, get our materials together. We, uh, you probably read my book in advance of this. But then when the moment comes that you and I are on the phone together, um, what we want is to be listening to each other and then accessing the things that we know. I bet that story about the elephant wasn't in your consciousness when you were preparing, if you will, for this uh, for our interview, but then it seemed that just appeared and seemed like the right thing to say at that moment. And it was. I mean, what you're really talking about is, and correct me if I'm wrong, but li listening, being in the moment, listening and reacting to the other person or people or your environment, as opposed to kind of reacting to the fantasy or monologue that all of us have running in our head. Yeah. You're right. I don't know how to stop kind of preparing the monologue, but what I've become a professional at is training people not to let that monologue 
get in the way of really listening and then following that natural impulse. Uh, and the more you do it, the more you actually um, give up that monologue planning in favor of really listening and then trusting your natural response and correcting as you go, it's really fun. And life becomes, you're able to do more because you're not spending all your time preparing for how it's going to be. Uh, you're uh, you're living in the moment that you're in and trusting that that's where you want your full attention. Training attention is a big part of improv skills. So um, it's really listening. There's a game we play where um, we get into partners and one partner tells a story for three minutes of something that they did or uh, can be fiction or real life that has a lot of details with it. And then the listener who is listening completely at the end of the three minutes, we stop and we trade, and the listener then repeats back verbatim exactly what the speaker has just said in, in perfect detail, or as much as they can. Now, of course, nobody does this perfectly, but what it does, you can imagine that the exercise makes you listen in a way that you don't normally. We normally are listening, half listening, and, or a third listening, and then preparing what we're going to say. So if we give that up in favor of focusing on the other person rather than ourselves, um, some really wonderful things happen. Plus, it's marvelous to have somebody really listen. And if I could say anything to your listeners about the best way to be a great date, become the world's best listener so that you're taking in everything the speaker is saying. You can then build and ask questions. You, it, If you think it's not about me, it's about the other person. Um, you'll become the best date around, I, I guarantee. I think that's great advice. There's one thing I'll kind of add to that is that listen and don't judge. Yeah. Don't judge. That's a big mistake a lot of people make. And it's the same concept as you were talking about earlier about just say yes, but it, just don't don't judge. I mean, we all have history and baggage or what have you, um, but, let the, but listen to the person and don't judge. It makes all the difference. Another thing, because I agree with you, not judging is really important. I don't know how I don't know how to stop my mind from judging, but here's what you can do: if your mind judges, don't go there. <laughs> it's like uh, put a little windshield wiper. If that judgment comes up, just you don't have to deal with it or anything. You and I don't know how to undo that thought. Hmm, that sounds she sounds a little like my mother. Uh, what you do is you just sweep it away and you don't go there. And I think that's the best way to deal with not judging is to um, simply not indulge thoughts that seem to be judgmental. Dating coach Chris Luna here. This is the perfect time to take a quick break to talk to you about three simple things that you can do to dramatically change your life. First, listen to this entire podcast and then subscribe through SoundCloud, iTunes, or Stitcher. This way you'll immediately be notified every time we share a new release. If you listen and apply the ideas we discuss on these podcasts, it will change your life forever. Second, go to craftchristmas.com, create an account, and become a member of our community. There you can read articles, listen to podcasts, watch videos, ask us questions, and document your journey in our forums. Great men don't become great on their own. All great men are members of a community, and Craft Charisma is your community. Finally, if you're serious, and I know that you are, about making massive changes to your life as quickly as possible, 
check out our live coaching programs on our website. Craft Charisma Live programs are the fastest way to improve your dating and social life. And who knows, attend our live programs, let us get to know you, and you may end up as a member of the Craft Charisma team. Again, thank you for listening. Now back to the podcast. Patricia, can you talk a little bit about listening with your other senses? Because I think a lot of people only listen with their ears. Yeah, there's a concept called real listening or whole listening. Um, And it was written about some years ago by, there's a self-help book called The Road Less Travels. Most of your listeners are too young to remember it because I think it was in the 70s. But The Road Less Traveled, he talked about the work of attention. And he said, uh, attention is a form of love. And that when we give our full attention to someone, it's really the highest compliment we can pay them. So what does he mean by that? He says, well, it's like putting a little windshield wiper on your mind, and the windshield wiper pushes aside, like I just said, um, when you have a judgment thought, don't go there. Uh, Real listening involves shifting out of your ego mind that is thinking up how am I doing and what can I say next? It's, it's not about me. But when you're really listening, you kind of take a breath, relax, and open your whole self, not just to the words, but to the intention, to the other person. It's like you put your attention on the other person. You might be also looking at them, sensing them. Uh, it, it's shifting out of me and onto you. And it's a profound kind of experience. If you, if you can try it for even just a short period of time, I, uh, when I teach this active listening, students in my class start doing it, and all of a sudden the room becomes very still, and I, and I feel their listening. I feel them um, giving their attention to me. So uh, attention isn't just about hearing words. It's about your, your whole consciousness. Um, opening to let the other person's person in. I I want to talk a little bit about improv wisdom. Uh, Can you talk maybe a little bit about the different maxims of improv? Sure. would love to. What I tried to do in the book is break down the, if you will, the rules, the way that improv works. And I've mentioned one already, say yes. And it means uh, not necessarily agreeing, but it means opening to the possibility of what's been considered and building upon that idea. Another concept is to uh, start anywhere. We sometimes are tried, we don't do something because we want to start at the proper beginning or uh, maybe this happens with a, with a task. I'm you know, working on an article but I don't know where to begin so I keep backing up until I get the right beginning and then I go have a cup of tea and eat a sandwich and don't do it at all. <laughs> so start anywhere is an improv uh, maxim which means um, with an impulse to do something or to say something, go right ahead and begin it. And once you're already talking about it or already doing it, you've got more information about how to develop that. I think this is true in conversations. You might try to come up with the, with the right witty phrase, but give that up. We, we already know thinking in advance is just going to stymie what you're up to. Uh, Some other maxims include um, the advice to be average, uh, which a lot of Stanford students say, why? Be average, come on, aren't aren't we supposed to be exceptional? Aren't we doing our best? 
And my experience has been that uh, when you try to do your best or look your best or be your most brilliant, it's almost like the kiss of death because your mind is on this being perfect rather than on just being natural. So when I say, uh, you know, let's just have an average date, my guess is that that takes the pressure off for it to be really special. And uh, it doesn't mean we, we don't pick something that's uh, a good idea or put on our, our favorite shirt, uh, but it means we take that expectation of excellence um, out of the picture. And then uh, that allows a naturalness that I think finally uh, gives us a chance to be our true selves. So be average. Uh, I, I used to tell people, um, you know, I know you want to sit down and write the perfect poem or do a great painting or make a, a brilliant report. Just do, just do your natural average best and see what happens. You can do that, can't you? You can do an average whatever. Sure, yeah. And then once you're doing it, um, I think we all internally uh, strive to do well. Uh, we're not slacking off. But I think it's real helpful advice, and it's counterintuitive, if you will. We, we don't usually have somebody say, be average. or the, the kiss of death is trying to be original, by the way. Um, I hope your listeners know that, that as soon as you try to be original or innovative, um, you'll likely to be in a cliche. So give up on being original. Just it doesn't work. <laughs> you know, that's such a great point. It's one of the first examples that came to my mind was clothing, right? And so... When you're talking about being average, let's say somebody go, a guy goes into his wardrobe and he's like, I'm going to pick my absolute very best outfit. And this is like the outfit that I bought for special occasions and I wear once every six months. And instead of doing that and not being comfortable in your clothes, instead, just throw away all your shitty clothes and, and, and just focus on having clothes that make you feel good so that you could grab anything out of your closet and feel comfortable and feel good about it, feel good enough about it that you can go on the date, right? And so instead of being perfect, just focus on basically the average. It should be a good average, but the good average comes from just doing the right things normally. I think you're absolutely right. Yeah, the comfort there. How many times I've seen, uh, this is, I think, particularly true for women, how they will work so hard to get this perfect, look with the stiletto heels and everything and they are so uncomfortable and can't wait till they get home at night to take off these uh, restrictive uh, clothing that happens to have a, a look about it. But we, we love people who are natural and comfortable in their skins and you're right, I think a man and a woman if they're wearing clothing that uh, is becoming but uh, is really comfortable where they can actually have that dessert at the restaurant without fear of popping the belt. I, I think comfort and naturalness and authenticity, to me, are the real summum bonum of life rather than some kind of slick, perfected, uh, hip, top-of-the-line top look. Um, and I, I think you're right. When, when you choose that my, my most comfortable favorite outfit rather than the, the one that uh, all the fashion magazines say looks the best, you're going to have a better night, I know. That's, I mean, that's a great topic, women and dress, because women do all kinds of things, whether it's the heels or they're wearing corsets or spanks, different things to try to conform. But the reality is 
they're probably better off picking clothes that feel comfortable with them or if they're, they're really insecure about the way they look, you don't try to make up for that the night of your date. You start working out and dieting and exercise so that you get yourself uh, into a place where you feel comfortable and confident. The reality is that there's men who like women in all types of shapes and si- sizes, although there might be certain men that are particular to a certain kind of shape or size. Generally, there are there's a guy out there who likes just about every shape girl. I've learned that while I've, I've been coaching. Yeah, I think that's great advice. If you get comfortable with what you're doing or if it's that big of an issue, then you start a little bit earlier you don't try to solve it the night before exactly. <laughs> so i think i think that's i think that's great uh, also even you were talking about this idea of start anywhere and i was thinking about the idea of uh beginning to work out at the gym or starting a business like there isn't really a perfect time to start the perfect time is now you just got to start somewhere and and so i think that's so important can, can you talk about maybe some of the other maxims i think these are great right one of my favorites is um, there's a maximal called Wake Up to the Gifts. And it has to do um, in improv, everything that your partner does or everything that happens is considered, quote, an offer. And so that's like a thing. It's a gift that's coming at you. And um, you're right when you say a lot of times whatever comes your way, the first thing we do is judge it. Like it, I don't like don't like this, I like this, it's okay, or I'm scared of it or something. We make a judgment and then we um, choose to do or not do. The improviser sees everything that comes up as an opportunity, as a gift. And then if something's a gift, you want to appreciate it. And that's a little different than liking it necessarily. Um, Appreciation means that you see that it's that it's an offer. Uh, for example, your 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 date uh, has spent a lot of time like, culling over all the current movies and things, and has has come up and, and has picked one. Uh, gee, I'd really like to see Boyhood. I read some great reviews or something like that. And um, your first reaction is that some friend down the block told you, "Oh, that movie sucks." So you think, mm, well, I don't really like that. So you, then you get into this thing there where you try to renegotiate out of actually seeing that movie because you don't like it, etc. Now, the improviser, if your partner says, hey, why don't we go to see Boyhood, uh, you realize that in the great picture of things, um, maybe more important than getting the perfect movie is uh, is trying stuff and being agreeable. So I would the, the improviser would say, Let's go. Let's try it. I'm going to see that as a possibility, even though some part of me thinks I might not like it. In the long run, in a sense, your willingness to to try things, I think, is going to be uh, a real a winning strategy. Plus, you know, we are surrounded by uh, gifts and things, and instead of judging whether we like them or not, if we notice that they're uh, people are, are doing things for us. Uh, even, for example, if we're in a restaurant and a waitress who seems to be having a day, bad day, kind of puts our plate down and she has a look on her face. Maybe she forgets to refill our coffee. So it's very easy to judge the, uh, the affect. Well, that was, a, <clears throat> that was a, a downer waitress, wasn't she? And, and what we're looking at is the part of it we don't like. But we forget that that, that waitress who's having a bad day also brought us the coffee, went back and forth to the kitchen and has helped bring the food there that we're able to eat and enjoy. So I'm, I'm a great believer in looking at how we're receiving things from others all the time. The world's really 
all of us are being supported by, right now there's a telephone line connecting me 3,000 miles to you in New York, and uh, I'm sitting in a comfortable chair uh, wearing some comfy um, bedroom slippers right now. All of this uh, is supporting my life, and you're listening to me. So uh, if you, in a sense, I think a great improviser is someone who is constantly developing their sense of gratitude, appreciation, noticing uh, what's positive and uh, about what's going on. Negative people, frankly, you probably know this, are in the long run and in the short run too, downers. So I'd encourage your listeners to also develop that muscle that's appreciative and thankful and says thank you a lot. I mean, I think you have such wonderful wisdom, or just the idea of trying lots of different things. I don't know how many amazing friends that I've had or amazing experiences that were just the consequence of me showing up. I mean, there is that saying that 90% of success is showing up. And in addition to that, and, and there's pro- probably the people who listen to this podcast discover is that I have a wide, very wide range of interest. And that cross-pollination, I feel like, is the basis of of my creativity and so many different aspects of life. And I find that in people who are often a lot more, even more successful or more creative than I, than I have, but they, they tend to have these, this as a, a characteristic. They tend to try or are open to doing new things and as a consequence leads to happier, more fulfilling, more interesting lives. Sure. I'm, it's, it's true. It's the source of creativity. Um, I mean, there's lots of good uh, studies about that, that it's not just staying within your, your field of interest, but when you, when you try new things, when you go to that movie that might not be in the genre that is your favorite, you can expand your world because uh, there's a lot of worlds coming at us, so uh, try stuff. I've got a big maxim on the wall that just says, try stuff. You know what? <laughs> um, we, we miss a lot of life because we've already prejudged that ah, this is going to be stupid or uh, Yelp only gave it two stars or something. You know, who knows? I'm, I'm constantly surprised at how we're letting social media basically dictate what we do um, rather than exploring and experimenting with life and the world in front of us on our own. That makes sense. It makes perfect sense, Patricia. I mean, you have so much wisdom here. Can you talk maybe a little bit about some of the other ways that, or some of the different places that improv can have an impact on a person's life? Sure. Uh, I think that we're all kind of almost spinning out of control with the opportunities that are around us. Uh, If you're like me, in the modern world, we're in some ways overwhelmed by email and messages and uh, and a thousand channels and streaming video and whatnot. Improvisation at, at its core, at its heart, just invites you to slow down, basically take a deep breath, notice where you are right now, breathe into that, be appreciative, thankful of... Um, of what's working and who's around. Notice what's there and engage with it. Um, All of what I've just said is just, it's real simple and it's common sense, but you know it's not easy because um, the modern world with all of its temptations and, uh, and media and electronics 
suck us, suck our attention into these other things. And so um, improv advice is to slow down, smile, look around, be positive. And um, I think it helps uh, at home, in the office, certainly with dating. And the, the, the skills I'm talking about don't just happen with a weekend workshop in improv or from reading my book and hearing good advice. It comes from a, of making an intention in your life to try to really live your life fully, live it out loud, make some mistakes, um, not miss anything in our fear of being uh, either rejected or foolish uh, or wrong or imperfect. Um, I'm now 71 years old, so I'm, a, I'm an old lady, but I tell you, the thing I've, I've most learned is that it's really important to uh, trust your own natural voice and live life one day at a time enjoying it, um, appreciating it, dealing with the, uh, the unexpected and the stuff that's going to come up that'll drive you crazy, but that's just part of the ride. My little book, Improv Wisdom, is also it's an audio book and it's a, uh, an e-book, real inexpensive, and you can get it on Amazon or in most of the booksellers or as an audible download. Uh, simply has these 13 maxims of uh, how to improvise your life with some suggestions like uh, see what happens if you go home a different way. Um, if you, instead of going from your office on the same route, try, uh, try one day to take a different route to get from office to home. And while you're on that different route, notice what's around. Uh, pay attention to the landscape and what, who's on the streets and uh, What's different about there? Um, so we often get into habits and ruts, and some of these habits are really valuable, but when we improvise, we will um, kind of wake up a little bit and look around and notice life and hopefully enjoy it too because that's the last maxim is enjoy the ride. I mean, there's just so much there. I think about like even my own life, uh, whether it's email or social media, somebody's tweeting or Facebooking me or I'm, my phone's ringing on whether it's my phone or my computer or Skype calls. There's just so much going on. And at some point, I mean, it could be very easy to kind of be overwhelmed by all these choices, even with choices. What do I do tonight? Do I go to a movie? Do I watch Netflix? Do I watch one of the 400 TV channels on my TV? Do I call a friend? Do I have uh, to grab dinner to go uh, sit in a cafe? There's just so many choices. And at some point, we have to make a choice and be in the moment. And and I know that there's just so many people who are listening to this not only struggle with decisions and being decisiveness and improv will help with that. They're also reacting to expectations on what they think their society wants, their family wants, their religion wants, their culture wants, and they're not kind of living in the moment. And I'll tell you guys, I actually did improv for a year long. I did two semesters of it and it was twice a week. It was a couple hours each session. And the first, at the end of the first semester, if somebody told me, hey, I want you to come up with an improvisational scene or you would die, I would die. I would have failed completely. By the end of that time period, I actually got the acting scholarship for my college and a part of my first semester at Columbia was paid for based on improv. And I will say that it absolutely 100% 
changed my life. I mean, we have a lot of experts come on here, but it made me a better, more well-rounded person who is more present in the moment, who uh, was more likely to be silly and take risks and have fun and be unconventional. And so if you're listening to this, um, I absolutely recommend that you do improv if you feel like you're struggling with any of the things that we've talked about. I absolutely 100% recommend that you purchase Patricia's book, you read it, You've been absolutely wonderful. And and if you guys are listening, you want to learn more about her book or some of the different stuff that she does, I'm going to put some links in the Craft Charisma website and in the description of the podcast so that you can find out more about about her, what she's doing in her book. So thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you, Chris. Your What you just said is the best testimonial I've ever heard about improv being a valuable life skill. So uh, find a class, sign up, uh, read a book, and... Just try improvising today. Have a great one. It's dating coach Chris Loney here. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen. And we absolutely love making this podcast. We make this podcast for you. So if there's somebody that you want on the show, let me know. I will yell, scream, stand in front of their house, do everything I do to get them on the show for you. Also, don't hesitate to follow the podcast on SoundCloud and iTunes and Stitcher. You can also give us a shout out through social media, Facebook, Twitter, share it with your friends. And lastly, go to the Craft Christmas website and create an account. There you can talk about the podcast and communicate with me directly. So thank you again for taking time to listen. You will hear again from me soon.